0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello Empaths, we're so excited to have you join us once again this week. We have such a special guest to share with you all today, who's going to be talking about his amazing life and his newest work. We're so excited to dive right into it. Let me first start by introducing you to him. Andrew Harvey is an internationally acclaimed writer, poet, translator, and mystical teacher. He's the author of over 40 books, including Son of Man, The Hope, and Turn Me to Gold. He's taught all over the world, given over 20 courses for the SHIFT Network, and is the founder of the Institute for Sacred Activism. He's on the show today to discuss his work, Love is Everything, which is focused on the life of a 13th century mystic named Hadavik. Now, you write that you first encountered her when you were in your 30s living in Paris, but then you met her again in your 60s when you were seeing this difficult track humanity is currently on, and she came to you in a series of dreams. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, let me just say that it's not about her life. What my book is is a 365 excerpts of her amazing vision. Each One day at a time so that someone who comes to this book will have an introduction to her life and why she's so important, but also be initiated into the depths of the fire and passion of her spirit. That's what the book is. And I've spent a great deal of time crafting it in such a way that anyone who comes to it with some spiritual passion will be immeasurably infused and informed by her great, glorious, wild, holy mind and heart and soul by the end of the book. So this is a, a, a day book, if you like, but it's a way of Entering into her vision of love completely but in doses so that you can integrate day by day what she is, what she's trying to convey to us, perhaps I should start by just saying something about who she is, because a lot of people won't know who hadvi of Antwerp is, and I hope by the end of this that you'll know forever and um, Plunge into the book and be hadoviched as I've been, and as everybody I hope will be by the end of the experience. Hadovich of Antwerp lived in the 12th century, and as far as we know, she lived between about 1230 and 1260, 1270. She belonged to the first extraordinary outburst of the Beguine movement, which was a movement of women who had had it with the confines of marriage and had it with the authority of the church and claimed their own unique spiritual truth and formed these extraordinary communities of women who loved each other, supported each other, encouraged each other, who earned their living by washing or tending to the sick and who prayed together. And initially the Beguines were Welcomed by the church, who thought, Well, how nice that these lovely ladies are doing all of this. But when they became really infused by mystical passion and started speaking out of the authority of what they were receiving, Mm -hmm. then they were wiped out horribly. In fact, in the early 14th century, a woman called Marguerite Pareti was burned to death, and that was the end of it. They burned her, they said, It's over and the movement collapsed. But Hadovich belonged to that first wild, holy impulse that forms a movement, and her work is the greatest work of all of the begins that have come down to it. She's probably an aristocrat very high family who decided to pursue a spiritual path early. She was certainly extremely learning because we know that from the work which has quotations from many of the great mystics and prophets that preceded her in the Christian lineage. She had an exceptionally difficult life. She clearly Annoyed everybody by the intensity of her passion. And she was probably thrown out of her own community and condemned by the ecclesiastical authorities and forced to wander as a beggar alone in the hills of what is now the Netherlands. And she may well have died as an unpaid server in a leprosarium, in a leper colony. So this life was a glorious and terrible life, the life of a true prophet, afflicted and abandoned and shattered, but also triumphant, because through it all, she never lost the truth of what was given to her to give to us. For the two centuries after her death, a century and a half, her work was very well known and influenced two very great Male Christian mystics, Meister Eckhart, whom we've probably heard of, and Riseburg, who drew deeply on Hadabich for his own quite extraordinary vision of the Trinity and his own great mystical masterpieces. For me, Ricebrook is probably the greatest of all of the Christian mystics, and he was heavily indebted to her. But after that period, this is so amazing and so frightening. She was written out of the story for six centuries. Six centuries, nobody spoke about Hadovich until in 1838, three little geeks called Willem, Snellett and Mohn, you can't make this up. The two little, three little Belgian geeks were squirrelling around in the Royal Library in Brussels and discovered two manuscripts of her works and then began a long process of finding out how to translate and present her. And now she's been presented in her original language, which she, in fact, helped to create because she was the first person to write it medieval Dutch with such passion. And now she's been translated into English and I have presented her. So you're getting in Hadovich in Love is Everything, you're getting the first fresh trumpet sound of a voice that has been silent, a female-inspired genius who's been silenced for 600 years. So. That's very thrilling, especially at this moment when the spiritual world is being led like many other worlds by inspired women who are at last claiming the fullness of their genius and their authority and their passion for justice and their passion to see a new world. And it's to all of those women that I dedicate this adventure that I've been on. So you asked me that question about how I came to meet her. I first met her when I was going through a massive mystical transformation in my 30s, which was painful and glorious and bewildering and utterly transformatory. It gave me a wholly new direction in life. And I was living in Paris and I'd been translating Rumi for a while and being deeply, deeply moved by Rumi. And as I was going through this transformation in Paris in which I was seeing the light and people surrounded by glowing auras and having dreams of angels and everything that happens on an authentic mystical explosion and I'm sure many of you have had those things too I had a habit I would go into the local bookstore and see if a book attracted me because I felt that I was being guided by God and that I would be given whatever I needed for my journey. I'm sure all of you know this feeling that once you're in the stream of a very massive experience, you have to surrender and you have to let it guide you. And on one afternoon, I was guided to a French translation of Hadovich by a woman called Rose van der Plaas actually has the same title as my book, l'amour et tout, love is everything. And I opened it, and immediately the page started to radiate light. And I read through the light, these fierce, gorgeous, gorgeous words. And a bought the book, and I devoured it. And I realised that I was in the presence, through these translations, of a universal mystical genius at the height of Rumi. She is in some ways the female Rumi, galvanized and incinerated and ecstatic with love. And then she became part of my life. But I never had the courage to attempt to translate her myself, because I realized that in order to be able to translate her, I would have to learn enough medieval Dutch to really get into the grit and texture and syntax and ferocity of her mind and soul. And I had at that time other things to do. But she remained a very great presence in my life until my late 60s, actually until COVID, when I suddenly had a series of dreams in which she appeared. She didn't appear as a face or as a body. She appeared as this great whirlwind of power with a voice coming out of it, which announced itself as Hadovich. And she said, in this time of horror and madness and desolation, in this great global dark night, What human beings need is a vision of love that they can believe, a vision of love that doesn't shirk how love works through horror and chaos and death and torment and loss just as much as it works through joy and beauty and pleasure but a vision of love so strong that they will be able to hold to it and be transformed by it and be given energy by it and be given hope by it and be given passion by it and be given stamina by it as they go through the excruciating process of a dark night that is destined to birth a new humanity. That was the gist of her message. And what I realized is that I'd been selected to do the work. I had been told, really, you can't, unfortunately, I say, unfortunately, you can't refuse when you have an invitation like that. So I plunged into studying medieval Dutch. I learned enough to be able to read it with the help of also of other translations in different languages. And I translated the whole of her work night after night after night, many, many, many sleepless nights, three months of almost no sleep, possessed by her. Because you have to, in order to recreate and to give a mystic to the world of that level, you have to allow yourself to be totally taken over. And that's what I did allow myself to be. And fortunately, COVID provided that amazing cocoon in which that could be possible. And then when I translated all of it, I realized nobody is going to read these texts like this because they're so dense, so compacted, so fierce, so wonderful that people will get overloaded if they go. They'll, have, they'll hemorrhage if they go into a text and then they'll give it up, and then they won't get to the burning kernel of who she is. And then she appeared again and said, "Well, why don't you do it like this? Why don't you just put it?" gob by God, radiant slice by radiant slice in a carefully orchestrated way so that people you've taken me now, piece me out in a way that everybody can get everything that you have received, but in a way that they can approach and can integrate. And that's how the book came to be born. So I believe three things about this book. I believe that it is supremely important because it's the voice of an authentic universal female mystic coming back to us at a moment when women are rising up to their new empowerment to give all the women who are claiming the divine feminine authority that is their true nature, this enormous inspiration from someone who claimed hers and claimed it to the end, whatever happened and whatever javelins and lightnings were thrown against her. That's the first thing. The second thing that is so important is that it offers us at this moment when we're threatened by paralysis and despair and desolation and hope, Total anguish at what's happening before our eyes in on every level of the world, in climate change, in the continuing of the epidemic, in the corruption of politics, in the agony that so many people are in, the poor, the animals being destroyed. It gives us one supreme vision of love that we can cling to and allow ourselves to be infused by to give us the strength and the stamina, and courage, not only to just keep going on, but to become increasingly imbued with joy and with power. And the third reason is a rather esoteric reason, but I bear with me. I think you'll find it very exciting. What I've come to understand over the last 20 years, over the, in a way, 30 years when I was not translating her, is that something very, very amazing is actually happening in our world, which is the opposite of the horror and the destruction that we so easily and painfully relate to. And that is that this global dark night is destined to be the birthing ground of a new humanity. A humanity that has gone through this horrible ordeal learned from this horrible ordeal to be far more united with nature far more tender to life far more committed to justice far more awake to the interconnectedness of things and so able to birth the divine in itself mind heart soul and body a new species in fact is being formed in the evolutionary cauldron of this horrific crisis and this truth that I'm sharing with has been known by the great evolutionary mystics of all the traditions. And that's the third reason why she's so important, because she was one of those people who actually went through this transfiguration process. And in her work, we have astounding clues of the glory that it can give a human being who allows himself or herself to go through whatever he or she has to to be transformed, not only in mind, not only in heart, not only in the awakened soul, but actually in the cells of the body. Because as you'll see, when I read, perhaps later, some of her work, you'll see that that was the experience that she was living. And that's the supreme secret of the Christian mystical tradition, because what happened in the resurrection was that a wholly new kind of matter was born. Jesus resurrected in a body that was totally saturated with the power of divine light. And by being born in the resurrection in that way, our Emanated into every atom of the universe that seeded this outrageous possibility of the divinization of the human in every human being. And we've come to the great crisis in which if we can align ourselves with these three things that she's bringing, we too can experience that. So that's the secret dream behind the book.
2: And it is, it's a beautiful book because it works progressively through. I mean, you can start, you can open up to anything. When I read through each of these, there's a, a a simplicity in the prose that really gets you to reflect, to get you to think. And you had asked us earlier, were there any of her, of these pages that really jumped out at us? And it's interesting what you just shared because the one of them, and there's many, so I was scrambling a little bit, well, which one do I choose? Okay. And this was from uh, March 27th, and it is a perpetual book, which makes it wonderful. Mm-hmm. It can be a daily practice. Love breaks out of herself, works by herself, and always sinks back into herself, for she finds all joy in her own nature. So love is wholly self-sufficient. Where no one to love, love, love's name would make her worthy enough of love in her own magnificent nature. Her name is her being within herself. Her name is her work outside herself. Her name is her crown above herself and the depths beneath their self. Only these understand the nature of love who are cast into the abyss of love's strong nature or those who are formed to be cast into it. The interconnectedness of of that relationship of love with ourselves, but also how poignant a key it is right now to the the unity that is aching to happen in humanity on a global level. And I think that this, this book is a catalyst to help people realize, turn to love. They have been giving us this message over and over and over. And it does not have to be doom and despair and anguish. We have to go within in order to be able to raise this vibration and shift things. So thank you for the beautiful work. It's
1: incredible. But even even if it is doom or even if it is anguish, I wouldn't like the word doom. Yes, That's okay, because love uses anguish, love uses terror, love uses chaos, love uses the burning down of your illusions to free you to be able to hold more of love's authentic power.
2: So what's interesting is a lot of people, if we're so inundated with social media, with comments, people, that... Love has taken on a very limited perspective. Oh,
1: God, this is, this is love. This is whatever it is. But that's not what she's meaning. Are you kidding No, no she's no, talking
2: no. about the essence of all that is. She's talking right. about that. Yes, that in yes,
1: she's talking about the essence, but she's talking about the force, the yes. gigantic, inconceivable force that bursts the Big Bang. <laughs> Right, exactly. (laughs) That's what she's talking about. And that force is not a sentimental force. No. It's a monumental, unimaginable power which is organized by an intelligence that is ultimately tender, forgiving, and compassionate, but can work and does work through the opposites. It works as much through everything we're terrified of as it works through everything we want to flow into our lives. Because love has a design on us, and that is to spring us free of the limitations of the false self that just craves security so that we can Begin to begin to understand who we really are, which is nothing less than love herself in a body made by love to hold this gigantic force and then feel it, embody it, and act from it in ways that can be miraculously transformatory.
2: Which is
1: Personal opinion,
2: and from from what you're sharing, it's what needs to happen for this new humanity to take root for this There is no other
1: way now. No. There is no other way. We're not going to get out of this global dark night. We're going to have to go through it. And in order to go through it, we need to understand why it's happening. And why it's happening is because it is a birthing force of a wholly new level of consciousness embodied in the body and in sacred action. That was the message of Jesus, the real message. and The great women mystics, who I believe were deeply inspired on the archetypal level by Mary Magdalene, who was Jesus's beloved and who was the first witness of the resurrection, they got the power of this force in a way that the male mystics didn't, who tended to go off into their ethereal lucubrations. The women who were madly in love with Jesus, who adored him with the fullness of their being, they experienced what Mary Magdalene experienced at the resurrection when she was completely irradiated and transfigured and then led the life of a female Christ. So that tradition, which was silenced and ignored by the church, erupts in these female mystics, notably and most spectacularly in Hadovich. And now that message, that message needs to go beyond Christianity, beyond Jesus even, into the bloodstream of every human being, because it's only by aligning with that love and abandoning yourself to it and allowing itself love to take you over in every way and allowing love to use you, that you will be able to fulfill the meaning of your incarnation and be of real help in a burning world which is going mad and is which is destined to get worse before those of us who know this secret can come together and in the ruins of the old world start building a new world out of the ashes of what's been destroyed and has had to be destroyed does that ring yeah. true to you
0: it does we're like a we're we're going to be like phoenixes rising out yeah, of all
1: of this and if you want to be a phoenix and learn phoenix yoga Go to Hadovich. The two great masters of this phoenix yoga, as I call it, are Rumi and Hadovich. And they're directly, one is doing it from the masculine, the other is doing it from the feminine. And if you read the two of them together, everything that you will need will be revealed to you. That's why I spent 40 years translating Rumi, and that's why I spent so long now getting Hadovich out and finally she's here now you have it so I can go away and, and lounge on a beach in Bora Bora no no I'm going to be here <laughs> yeah, I it's find so it in- how much help we have
0: yes we do have help and I find it fascinating that she came to you during COVID when I'm assuming she lived during the bubonic plague years and you said she had a difficult life as well she have been the plague yet-
1: years, that was in the 14th century but she oh, in her time people were dying like flies from everything because everything, of medicine, yeah. medicine. So was suffering cholera epidemics everything and she lived in a very precarious time she she had heard the difficulty of her life makes her very very close to us at this moment because is there anyone on the planet who is awake who is not suffering terribly at this moment no. we're all in a great deal of pain whether we acknowledge it or not or whether we want to acknowledge it or not and On the one hand, that pain can be very bewildering, but Gadovic is saying to us, and this is so encouraging, your pain is sacred. It's an initiation. If you hold in there to love, deep purpose for you through this pain, then you'll allow yourself to be shattered and remade by love, and you'll become what you can't even dream of yet. you become love's ecstatic, noble, humble servant in reality. And from your example and from your energy, unbelievable new miraculous changes will flow.
0: Well, she writes so much about being drunk on love and just being saturated by this, by this, the Holy Spirit within us. When people are feeling as though they are reduced to ashes and they are feeling as though they're suffering, how can they feel that sense of being drunk on love?
1: I don't think they can at that moment. And I think what she also writes a great deal about the misery of this transformation, which makes her very close to us. She says... She is an ecstatic, but she's also very honest about how terrible things can get when you feel completely unable to move or to speak or even to believe in anything. What she says then is very important. She says, remember those moments of drunkenness and ecstasy that's the truth, hold to them as the truth, and keep your gaze fixed on love, keep your gaze fixed on God, and you'll be given the strength to endure the unendurable, you'll be given the power from grace to go through whatever you have to go through. And when you have, and this is the next thing she's telling us, which is so amazing. And when you have the drunkenness will be far vaster, far greater, far more all-embracing. It will be a different kind of drunkenness. It will be a cosmic drunkenness. So what was a personal ecstatic wildness, through this process of purification, which is drastic and terrible, will become a cosmic drunkenness and you'll be one with the one dancing your life out as the one's instrument of transformation isn't that amazing? It's true. (laughs) It, It would be amazing if it wasn't true. It's such a wonderful vision. But we know it's true because we've seen people on the earth like that Rumi began very limited, but through his dark night exploded into the great genius that he was and is same thing happened to Hatovich. And these geniuses are returning to us now saying you're all in this now. You're all in the cauldron of this dark night. Use our wonderful inspiration as a map for you of how to get down with what's happening and how to allow everything that you're feeling to be experienced as sacred and how to invite you to be absolutely constant in your prayer, whatever you're feeling, so that grace can, in the end, transfigure you. A wonderful Christian mystic said, it's like being a lump of stone. And from all kinds of angles, chisels are held at you. And all you feel for a very long time is just the agony of having bits of you cut out. And you have no idea what's going on. You're tempted to total despair, you're tempted to total paralysis. But one day... mirror will be brought into the room and you'll see that everything that you thought was just disfiguring you was actually creating a much more beautiful much more noble you and that's what she's inviting us to accept the severity of that process but also the glory the incredible glory of that process because i've lived some of that process myself i cannot swear to you that you will never find a clearer, wiser, less dishonest guide to the agony and the ecstasy of that process than Hattovich. And I'm so thrilled that she's here to help you right now, as she has immeasurably helped me.
0: Yes, and all of us. I want to share one of my favorite ones from the book. She says, if you long to taste perfect love, except coming close to love, or losing her, and follow no path or way. Leave on the quest for the victory of love. You will wander on mountains and, and alleys, bereft of consolation and anguish and trouble. The strong stallion of love will carry you beyond the ways of any human wisdom. I love that because it does remind me of Rumi, where she says- The stallion
1: of love will carry yes. you.
0: And follow no path. And and she's admitting in there that you know you will wander and you will be bereft and yet allow allow the stallion of love to carry you and support you along the way. I really admire her authenticity and honesty and the struggle that it is to be on this human path.
1: Absolutely. And it becomes more of a struggle when you choose love, because when you choose love, we're all terrified of love. Let's face it. We all think we want to be in love, but as Blake said. Human beings are placed on Earth a little space to learn to bear the beams of love. And what's so beautiful about that second line is that on the one hand, as you come closer to love, you find that it has a terrifying brilliance and that it is not the friend of your ego. And it's not the friend of everything in you that's trying to keep yourself intact and trying to keep yourself in order and trying to keep yourself from feeling this but not this. It is a force that, when you connect with it, will destroy and remake you. But then it also means bear the beams of love. Take the responsibility of carrying the cross of love, really turning up as love's midwife warrior, really turning up as love saying, stop This madness, stop killing the animals, stop destroying the environment, stop not teaching black history because you're insanely racist, stop it. And that's going to expose you as it does does to Hadovich and to all those who rise to their prophetic truth. That's going to expose you to a lot of horror and difficulty, but you will be in love and you will be given the strength to go through it. That's the warrior training that she is giving, isn't it?
0: Oh, I love that. Love's midwife warrior. Okay, I just have to ask. I know you studied at Oxford.
1: How many languages do you speak? Well, I, I don't speak many, many, but I do read about six or seven, yes. Six
0: or seven. He says that so flippantly. Six or seven. Oh, but or There are
1: people on the earth who, who who read. I had a friend in Oxford who read. 18 languages and spoke them all fluently. I'm not a great linguist. I'm just somebody who adores language and longs to read the great ones in their own language, because when you do, something amazing happens. And, sadly, I a lot of the work that I've done, and, you know, I've written 40 books, there have been many different kinds of books, but something that's very precious to me in what I've done is, is the translations that I've done, because I've wanted to convey in English, in modern English, the sacred power of what I found in these great mystics in Rumi and then in Kabir and now in Hadridge, because English is a marvelous language, but it hasn't had this kind of sacred infusion for a while, and that's been part of what I have dreamed I'd be up about.
0: Wow. I really hope that everyone listening goes to your website, andrewharvey.com, and set, and sees not only all the books you have out there, but you have so many classes out there that people can take. You have some amazing retreats coming up. So please Thank know we love. will post that in the show notes and on our social media pages. I would love to have you come back on to discuss Rumi, because I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and I would love to hear your take on him. Oh, if I would be.
1: la- I've been working with Rumi for 40 years. I'd love to... <sighs> But may I end our time together by just reading something from please. Hadovich that I love, which I think everybody out there will love. Thank you for being with us today. Please, please. It's not because I'm not going to get rich off this book. So don't worry, I'm not going to buy real estate in Bora Bora. I'm just passionate about getting her to you because I know that when you allow her in, amazing the graces will come to you. People like Hadovich are not dead, my friends. The great ones are not dead. They are completely alive. They are initiatory fields. And when you have the courage and the humility to enter them, you'll find that their companionship will be electrifying. So in that spirit, I thought I'd read you something that I absolutely love, which is the reason of the book. Its page 51 of the book, and it goes like this. This is why the book is called What It Is Love is Everything. Not a new age statement, because that means also the dark night crisis we're going through, in case you're tempted to go that way. Don't. It won't help you. It won't ever get you anywhere near love. And it won't help you now, because the situation is too real to be healed by anything but the most real vision of what love is and how it works. And that is why Rumi and Hadebech are so important. So here is just a flash of this genius. Oh, my friends, you turn far too little to love, that love that keeps thrashing me with the terrible transports of unslaked passion. My heart, my soul, my senses can find no peace even for an hour by day as well as night. The flame keeps blazing in the marrow of my soul. Once I heard a sermon where St. Augustine was spoken of and while I listened I felt I was erupting into flames from the inside and this was so overwhelming i believe the whole earth was going to burn to love is the breathing
0: that is beautiful oh my goodness
1: astounding Thank you so yeah.
0: much for taking and this it's time. true it <laughs> is true but we need it those reminders
1: we need more than reminders we need to okay. realize that if we don't totally integrate a vision so real and so truthful, as the great mystics of love of all the traditions are giving us, we're going to live in a flat land, despairing, selfish, narcissistic, useless, and absolutely unable to deal with what's happening. And even more importantly, totally unable to step up and be who we are all being called to be at this moment, midwife warriors, sacred activists, beings who blaze with love and pour our love in our relationships and in our action. And if we can rise to that challenge, miracles are possible. If we can't, we will die out. That's how God has organized this crisis right now. So let's get with the plan. Let's get with the program. Get with and love. risk it all.
2: The passion that you speak her words, her message, This, the mystics of, of there, it, there's such a sense of hope behind oh, this, yes. such hope. One of, uh, if, if you would for a moment, you have this incredible um. Also, this this sacred activism is, is
1: very mm. poignant. Well, really. she was the, a tremendous sacred activist because, first yes. of all, she dared to be herself as a woman. She Can you imagine what it was like for a woman of that time to claim this level of revelation, knowing that when she did, the boys' club would set all their dark dogs on her, just as they did, and she poured herself out in service to the people of her community, to us in these amazing verses. And as, as I said, she probably ended her life serving in a leper colony. She gave everything just as Jesus gave everything, her beloved. Once you fall in love, unfortunately, with Jesus, there's no other way but to try and give everything you are and have a way to help others. And she did that as a very great visionary and a very great saint. Wow. Sorry, I get very excited. I'm... Oh,
2: no, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because that's the key is to feel yes. that in your heart and to feel that that passion, that hope, that commitment to as an individual but also as part of the human species we're, we're all I interconnected
1: to the word hope because hope isn't a noun it's an experience yes. once you've experienced that passion living in you as you and once you realize that that's who you really are and once you realize that it will never stop flowing if you keep praying, and once you realize that it will give you the energy to assume the true mission of your life and give you the hotspot to actually do it <laughs> and give you the joy even in desperate circumstances, then you start dancing naked. I don't do any more dancing naked. No, I'm too no, 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 no that's to a little offend. too <laughs> i don't take it inside and that's the discovery waiting for the whole human race in the middle of all of this to give us the chance to hope and to be hope in action
0: hmm. hope in action i love that Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We don't want to take up any more of your time, but
2: do look forward
0: to having you back on. And I hope everyone checks out Love is Everything by Andrew Harvey. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My great pleasure. Love you. Thank
0: you. Ours too.
1: Thank you. you.
0: (laughs) Yes. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.